This is Unclaimed Bands, Episode 3. Hey music lovers, welcome to another edition of Unclaimed Bands. My name is Amanda Mayhem, and I'm sitting down with the legendary, or soon-to-be legendary, Ganto Barn. What's up? How's it going? Why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit? My name is Eric. I play guitar and sing. I am Rob, and I play percussion. Awesome. So how did you guys end up collaborating? Um, well, we ended up collaborating basically through an ad on Craigslist that I posted. And I got... Craigslist! Two, I got, this was about maybe four years ago. I got two responses. One was from some guy who said, Oh, I play drums and keyboards, and I never hear back from him, but... And he was Kermit Dufresne. Yeah, I was going to say, did he say it in the Kermit Dufresne? You know? <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, my he God. He was always hung up about this pig bitch. I don't know. Oh, Kermit! Ah! Oh, wow. But, um... And he was the other response. And I'm like, okay. I dig where he's coming from. And we we got, we got ba- together. Basically, Eric. Mm-hmm. Rob Brother. beat out Kermit. Mm, How yeah. do you feel about that, Rob? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know what they say. It's not easy being green. But, uh... Yeah. No, but uh, I just responded to a Craigslist ad. I was just, you know, just perusing the list that Craig just was so nice to put up. And uh, but uh, Eric put a, up a good ad, just saying like good influences, like all the influences match mine, you know, just all kinds of whatever. And I responded real fast. He already had two songs up, previously recorded songs. Of Ganto Barn on the MySpace, and I told, and I just like called him up. I said, "Yo, let's get together here in Philadelphia at uh, Columbus Studios, Rehearsal Studios." Yeah, I told, I told him, "Let's meet up there," and I just, you know, I knew the two songs, and when we got together, finally, we just just jammed on the songs. There wasn't like that weird, uncomfortable. Well, I never met you before. Let's. I don't know, whatever, you know. I got my drum set up, he had his guitar set up, and we just started jamming out. We played the songs, like, all the way through, boom. And it just felt felt nice, felt good. You know, it was just two like-minded people just meeting up and, you know. So who were the musical influences that you two connected with? Uh, two big ones were Nirvana and the Misfits, definitely. Because, he, I mean, I always saw him with a Misfits shirt on. Almost every show he has a Misfits shirt on, and... He's also a very big uh, Dave Grohl fan, Nirvana fan, Foo Fighters fan, and so am I. And that's basically where we connected initially. There's a lot more to the puzzle, as in like a million different bands around, like Queens of the Stone Age and Local H and um, and you know stuff like that. But we connected more so with like Nirvana and the Misfits, like right off the bat. What are your influences outside of musicians? Outside of even just music in general? Yes. Doing what you want to do. Like, when you meet that person who just does their thing. It might not agree with your thing, but you see them adamant about their own thing. It just... It's it's a great driving uh, influence. It's like... Somebody who's passionate about yeah, what passion. it, whatever it is there that they like. Someone who has there. passion and drive yeah. about yeah. whatever it is that they do. It could be musically related. Yeah. It could be athletically related. It could be even just what, yeah. whatever it is related. 
See, like we were talking about Dave Grohl and the Misfits. I mean, those are two prime examples. Dave Grohl was just like a guy, you know, he just did his thing. But he was very—he he was a very driven individual. Yeah, he was driven, but he was also he, like he just looked like he was having a great time mm-hmm. with it. And Misfits, you know, they're a prime example of a band that's just like, we're just going to do what we want. We're going to self-promote ourselves. And we're going to do it the way we want to do it. Without anyone telling us what we want to do, what we should do. You know, it's just like, they're doing it to do it, you know. How are having fun with it. How would you guys describe your sound? To someone just walking down the street, you don't have any CDs on you or anything. Yeah. But somebody asks you, you know, and they're what wearing you... a Nirvana shirt, and you're like, "You need to check out my band because we're heavily influenced by Nirvana too." But we sound like well, we would never say that. Well, we could. But, well, we yeah. couldn't say that we sound like. I mean, we would yeah. say that our general sound is very '90s influenced because we could say grunge, which it is, but that's not the whole picture. There's a, there's a, a million different other things that came from around that time period that we grew up in as far as getting uh, to know music, new music as it was coming out. And a lot of it we did discover, you know, through MTV or whatever, when it was, you know, pretty much in its good heyday. And it was already a commercial machine by that point, being like 1991. But we still, um, excuse me. I mean, we still, we were just, you know, influenced by a lot of, you know, what was happening around then. Something that you don't really see anymore. That sounds like collaboration. great. I am sick, though, of just talking about your music. I want to hear a track. And I'm sure the listeners want to hear a track, too. So, here we go. Off the Gorgeously Hanged, we have Marble Nile. Enjoy.
And you just heard Marble Nile off the Gorgeously Hanged. Now you're working on a new record. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the songwriting process and how it's different from the Gorgeously Hanged, if at all? Well, it's 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 a it's a bit different because we're we're both collaborators right now. Yeah, I mean, at least from my standpoint, it's like when I came into the band, it was um, you know, I just put my input in, just like for the drum sections percussion sections as people want to hear it how do you plan to release the album <laughs> we had thought thought about uh trying to remedy uh what we were doing with uh with the gorgeously hanged and we had the gorgeously hanged press on cd but what we've been noticing is that what usually happens with cds is that despite how nice the artwork is and this and that is that it usually winds up at the bottom of somebody's book bag or on the floor of someone's car and the CD gets lost, and they're just like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But basically, a CD itself gets lost. But I've noticed a lot in going to shows at, in particularly, Johnny Brenda's. I went to a witchcraft slash graveyard show. And a lot of... Yeah, it, was, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. But all the bands there, and any band that we've seen there since, they're all promoting vinyl. And what they do is they have... Um, of you know a, a fold-out vinyl with nice artwork and everything, you know one or two actual records that you play on a record player. I don't know if people even know what records are anymore in this day and age, but well, they're, um, they're coming back. They're they are coming back, thank God, because that's what I grew up playing. It's bec- it, I mean the the beauty of the record was it was a keepsake. You know, it was something physical to actually have. It was a piece of art. You know, something to look at while you're, you know, listening to the listening music. Listening to the music. You know, back in the day when the records were coming out, it was it was a beautiful thing. That's know? what people, people did. People would worship the, the front cover of a record. CDs made it bland, made it very... Made it so, dis, you know, yeah. disenchanting or disinteresting yeah. to yeah. many people. And now you can just put a CD on an iPod along with 50 thousand other, other CDs, whatever and that's why you're selling your cds at pawn shops because you don't need because you don't need them no one wants them so anymore something where it's just like a little keepsake at a band you know so we're thinking of pressing it on vinyl yeah and for all the digital age people we're thinking of having like a little down a little card that takes you to a site to download it for well, free nowadays that's how the, the vinyl thing works yeah it's like you can always just have the music thing but it's also just a little like i said a keepsake or whatever yeah Something. A piece of art to take home that you physically can say, I was at this show and I got this. Yeah. I used to say that when I was a kid all the time, but no one says that anymore. Speaking of artwork on vinyl, favorite artwork on vinyl? Oh, man. We didn't go over this, Amanda. Oh, that's in, rough. in the pre-interview screening. Oh. I don't know. I mean, oh man, there's just so much to even begin to talk about. Well, me and Eric were listening to Misfits before. Man and Sean showed up, and I can just think of right now, Earth AD. Earth AD. That's like that's a, a good one. That's a, re- that's a pretty. I mean, good Misfits. One. Misfits had great artwork all over all their albums. I guess except for Evil Live, that was just pictures of them. As far as like, you know, but yeah, but, I know. As far as like, but like, the, dude, the artwork in there, well, it was, it was art, great. Art, artwork in general. But I think what I have in my collection, I would have to say, and it's a it's a double album fold out, would be uh, Queen's News of the World because of it's a fold out double. I love double vinyls that are not live albums, and that 
Oh, not, not only not only tell a story, but you can read the story almost within the artwork itself if you know what you're looking oh at. Oh my god! There's, I mean, there's just so many. It's like we got totally snuck up on this conversation. No, that's a and, great and question. They, though. No, it's I a great question, that. but it's like, oh man, this is so much. To, to I like questions. I like questions someday. that make you think. I mean, I'm just I just thinking of like vinyls that I've seen. Like I'm just, Mastodon's pretty had some pretty mm. incredible artwork. What was I mean, it, Leviathan, I, mean, I think? Was yeah, it good Leviathan, one? that was a great one. Um, oh, man. There's this, well, to revert so it back many. to the interview. Yeah. Mm. So, you commented on the change from records to the whole digital world that we're going into now. How else do you see the music industry changing, and for the better or for the worse? It has the ability to, to change for the better. I mean, I understand that a lot of what happened with the coming of the digital age was meant for the better. But it wound up taking a really sour turn in in many ways because um, not only do are people not going to record stores anymore, and a lot of them around here have shut down. Many of the um, the record stores that I went to as a kid are gone. It encourages people to just sit at home, press their the download key on their computer, and they get whatever they want. And they're just like, well, I don't even want to look at the artwork. That's the other thing with artwork is being lost in that process as well. See, one thing, one thing that I've definitely noticed, and it's it's very hard for us to answer that question because we live on the East Coast. I've been on the West Coast a couple of times, and just a major difference in the West Coast and the East Coast. The West Coast is all about the arts. It's all about, you know. I mean, we have our theater here on the East Coast, but people don't, they're not interested in music. They're not interested in expression. It just doesn't seem, I mean, I'm not going to say they're not interested. It just doesn't, there's, you know, you can't see it. Basically, it's, it just comes Something's down to, changed. there's, there's mass saturation of music where people are not interested in music anymore. You know, at least, and like I said in the beginning of this, we are on a different side of the spectrum. People aren't interested in it like that. And it's just, there's, I mean, we can talk about this for Which hours. makes playing shows kind of difficult yeah. sometimes. Well, yeah. given those obstacles and those changes, how does Ganto Barn promote and distribute music and shows? The only way that we really themselves. know. Well, the only way we really know how, which is basically we get in touch with the venues, we book the shows, we tell everyone, we do, you know, we do the old the old the old fashioned way the way that we originally were grew up being taught to know how to do it i think our main our main thing is we still are big fans of the collaboration thing we have great bands that are great friends of ours and you know we we all try and stick together you know we have our moments that you know other bands you know trail off and they do separate shows and very far away places or whatever but it's like we keep good relations with them, and not just for a business aspect, but just because they're really cool because people they're good and people. they're really good bands. And we all have we all share that same mentality that it's like you know let's help each other out. It's almost like you know coming back to like that '90s style where a bunch of bands would just go on tours together, become great friends, make videos, almost you like know, document it, and it would just. You know, you watch it now, and it's like, wow, these you know these kids had a lot of good times together. They were just hanging out. They they weren't they didn't have music or aspirations or 
you know, fame aspirations. Whereas today, we're like, you know, everything is media, internet. It's like whatever you do, and it's on YouTube. Oh, am I going to make money off of this, or am I going to become famous? It's not about becoming famous or making money. It's about you know, you're expressing yourself. You're having a good time with friends. You're bringing people together. Isn't exactly. that a beautiful thing? Instead of you know just having a show where it's like I need to have 18 people here tonight in order to, to break you know, even. You know these people didn't think Why about should... bringing 18 people. They're thinking you know? about just They're coming like, to a I place to play. I just want to have a good time. They're they're yeah. thinking they're thinking about well gosh and help Benny, other people have a good time yeah that's the basic idea the, all all, you know? all all that a band should be thinking is we want to go play wherever things are happening and we want to help our friends who are also in bands out so that we can both enjoy the night together even if there are no people there but if a venue promotes itself right there will be people there and the reason why people aren't there is because people aren't walking down the street with their with their bow or their lady friend and being like wow i wonder what the new uh you know there's an open mic night happening here you want to just check that out see what's going on no no baby i don't want to do that because i can just go on fucking the internet and just listen to music so that's where that comes in no. Yeah. Kind of destroys the physical aspect of playing music. Mm-hmm. Hence Guitar Hero, which is, uh, you know, just pressing buttons, purple visually green, watching green, buttons. Green. You know, it just kind of, you know, it kind of destroys the whole musical aspect and love. It's you, like, yeah. You brought up Guitar Hero, which reminds me of an article I read a few weeks ago about how they're actually <clears throat> going to make a guitar hero where they teach guitar. It's either guitar hero or it's rock band. So don't That's exactly how it quote me came on out that. In the first place but they're actually thinking honest. of making one because more kids are actually playing these games That's and influenced to play music for real. I remember watching commercials of, you know, if a child, you know, learns music, they become a better student because, you know, it opens up their mind to like certain mm-hmm. things. And I was like, "Duh, you know, why do I have to watch a commercial?" You know, to get that, it's almost like the the you know the the media in the country is like, yo, wake up! You know, we're losing, you know, we're physical beings and we're losing touch of the physicalness of everything. You know, music can, music can be physical, but it's just becoming so. I'm just gonna lay here and play with this little thing I move around with a button on the right or left or whatever the fuck it is. Well, what what gu- what guitar hero? Like, eh. What guitar hero was? Uh, to me initially was I'm like oh wow musicians actually have their own video game now and it actually nope that's not what it turned into but when I first saw it it took you through the levels that you're supposed to go through in the music industry like you're a new band you don't know anything you start out in the basement and if you do well in the basement so it's making up the made up thing that people had to like strive and actually starve for it's just, it's a made-up reality. It's almost like a reality, like the reality cosm that that's going on with this world today. It's like reality television. Oh, my God. Listen to the music that's going on in the background of reality television. Look at all the outfits that everyone's wearing in reality television. They want you to wear those outfits. I'm going to wear that outfit because you know why? Because it's hot. It's like, come it's on, new really? Hot it's thing like, on this show. It's like this is bullshit. This is media. This fucking oh. <laughs> dictating what people should be thinking, and people, since it's so easy to get to because of internet and media, it just it just makes people lazy. We have a lazy 
lazy, lazy soci- world. Lazy society. And the, and the other one only other point that I'll make on that is that in the 90s, yeah, we in the 80s and 90s, we did still have that. But there were different entities competing against each other, which gave kids like us coming up through it an option. We had options to choose as to, you know, at least yeah. where we would want to fit. Here today, it's all one big monopoly. Either you eat this or you starve. And I just, I feel that that's absolutely at least wrong. For people trying to make music. I mean, think about in every it, in, in every walk of life. In the seventies, when like they would, they would be speaking about you know whatever they wanted to speak about or sing about whatever they wanted to speak about you know sing about, and it's like people were just like, oh my god, these people are crazy. But and it's like nowadays, you know, you can say or do whatever you want. But the thing is, like people who liked that music back then, they were like hippies. They were shunned or whatever. But you know what? Stuff like that happened in... Well, the 80s was more like the tech, technology was trying to break through. So it was kind of weird. And some people adapted to it nicely. You know, the cars used that to their advantage and, you know, had some good times with that. But they still kept it original. And it was still, like, real instruments and everything. But, you know, when people hear, like, synchronizing synth- and everything... wasn't all synthesized the Synthesizers, you know, people started hating that. And that was a fad that ended really fast. That's why that 70s show was awesome, and that's why that 80s show was stupid. <laughs> and whatever. It was like, 80s was fake. It was the fake decade. Everyone realizes that. Let's we're just back move in the, on. We're back in the 80s, though. You know? I hope you know. So, tell me who Ganto Barn likes to play with locally. Bands we usually play with are um, Surgeon. We've played with the Fetals. We've played with um, the Victor Victor Band. We've played with uh, Brat Bangs. We've played with... Um, well, those are the ones that I remember off the top of my head because we did with them so much. Well, these are just like like-minded bands. Individuals. And, you know, it's just... And like-minded individuals where, you know, they all believe in the same aspects. They were mainly yeah. like the people that... We um, definitely... We've, I mean, we've played with like a million other bands. We've that we've definitely played with a lot of bands where it's just like, oh, but you know, you need to wear this when you're playing. It's like, what? Yeah. I thought we were playing an instrument and not, anyway. Speaking of Ganto Barn and music, I want to hear another track if that's okay with you guys. Certainly. Okay, we're going to take it into Murder After Love. Enjoy.
You just heard Murder After Love. Right. So, what has kept Ganto Barn positive and strong in the music scene? Our own way of perseverance, basically. Our own hopes, our own dreams, our own thoughts. Our mentality and thoughts of how, like, things just should be. And it's not, like, a bad way of thinking where things should be. Where it's just, like, things should be, like, how people want to present them. Where they're not affected by outside influences. You know, mm-hmm. hey, we want to we wanna play our music. We want to express ourselves to an audience. But we don't, we don't want to be held back because this venue needs us to play on a bad night just to try out. And we have to bring a certain amount of people on a bad night considering like a weekend night. That's what it is. It's like that kind of thing. It's like, well, it's kind of hard for us to express ourselves when we have the pressure of we need to have so many people on a night where it's like no one wants to go and see a show anyway, you know. It's just... What should a show be about? A show uh, for the band should be about getting out there and just having an opportunity to play wherever it is that they're playing. On whatever night it is they're playing, they should just... They should only be focused on showing up, playing, and having a good time, and you know, presenting themselves as a band, as musicians. Well, they should not be concerned about the following: promotion, how many people they have coming, how much they're getting paid, and what it is that they have to do to make it to the next show. Do you have any examples of good shows or ideal shows that you've experienced? We've definitely had great shows. A record release show at J.C. Dobbs uh, about maybe two summers ago where we had about maybe 100 people in and out all night. And they were all people that we knew. They were all people that were there for the same reason and they were all having fun. It was celebrating us finally being able to come together, put out a good album, and just you know having fun in one of, our, one of like Philly's most quote-unquote legendary venues where a lot of our influences that we've listed as why we play music have played and been as far when they were nothing when they were absolutely nothing they like had we four are people in the crowd you know? playing exactly you know it's just like it's kind of motivations like along know. with self promotion what other advice would you give to aspiring musicians people that really want to make it on any type of level in the music industry always remember that the pressure should not be on you as a musician to promote yourself to focus on anything that has to do with um, you know getting your name out there as opposed you know with the exception of just approaching venues and disclosing yourself as a band a band that you know that plays music and wants to have, have a slot on whatever night it is you shouldn't have to worry about how many people you're going to bring you shouldn't have to worry about the flyering for a gig you should be concerned about you should be concerned about playing your music, playing it the best you can. Make sure that you are artistically sound, musically sound and prepared and confident within yourself to get up there and play and do your thing. Just don't I mean the I mean the basic thing is don't let don't let yourself get let on. The don't. one thing is just keep true to what you're doing. To sum it up Love what you do. Only do it because you love it. Yeah. Passion is the key. It's all about the passion. 
Thank you, Eric and Rob, for sharing your music, thoughts, and passion. This is Amanda Mayhem from Unclaimed Bands, signing off, as always, with passion. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of Unclaimed Bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries.